Hello, everyone, and welcome to Green Industry Pro's Grassroots Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Webb, and I'm the editor of Green Industry Pro's Magazine. On this episode, I chat with CJ Wong, Senior Director of Marketing for Turf and Consumer Products at Briggs & Stratton, about the supply chain issues plaguing the industry and how Green Industry Pro's can overcome them. Thank you so much, CJ, for joining us. Getting started here, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, hi, thanks for having me, Sarah. Um, My name is CJ Wam, and I'm the Senior Director of Marketing for our Turf and Consumer Products Division of Briggs & Stratton. So we are just focused on um, outdoor power equipment um, with a couple different brands focused on both commercial and residential side of the business. Okay, and how long have you been in the industry? Um, so I've been in the turf industry for only about four years. Um, I've been at Briggs and Stratton for nine. Um, and even before that, I've spent honestly 20 of my 23 years, um, in my career really focused on industries where guys, uh, and gals make a living using our equipment. So I worked in the power tool industry in addition to the outdoor power equipment industry for, uh, 20 long and adventurous years, but it's just been really fun to be a part of an industry where people are so passionate about the equipment that they use, um, you know, to make a living and support their families. So it's been a really good shift for me in this group. And, you know, within the past couple of years that you've been in the green industry, can you talk to me about, you know, what you've seen so far as far as supply chain issues go? Yeah, we've, uh, you know, COVID was interesting for our industry because there were kind of two things going on. Um, Really, the demand started going through the roof. Um, People were just really investing in their equipment. Um, But on the other side, on on our industry's side, um, as a manufacturer, we were just really struggling with Um, getting labor and getting parts and and getting different pieces to that system that we needed um, to be able to fulfill all of those orders. I think that with every manufacturer in our industry, if if we had full labor forces and full supply chain, we would have probably, you know, doubled our sales for the year. Um, But we've really just struggled over the last two years to kind of keep the factories going and to keep the market filled with everything that they need um, in the industry. And so you mentioned within the past two years, was this really an issue before then, or is this something that you've really started to see since COVID? It's 100% since COVID. Um, I think if you start looking at everything that that affects um, kind of the food chain, if you will, of manufacturing, um, every every little bit and piece from just a raw material up to a finished good was affected um, due to COVID. Um, Initially, it was just because a lot of the labor workforce couldn't work if they weren't deemed necessary or if it wasn't safe, especially when you look at, um, you know, globally, uh, a lot of those like core component manufacturers were shut down for a very long time. Um, So when they're at the bottom of that chain to feed other components, to build up bits and pieces that, you know, eventually come to us to be put together to be a final um, zero turn mower, um, it just really started backing up the entire process, um, just making it really frustrating um, because we could almost build 90% of a piece of equipment, but we were missing, you know, one or two pieces that 
we couldn't have a finished product at that point. So um, it definitely started once COVID hit. Um, and, you know, we've just been struggling to, to climb out of that massive backlog. I see. And you've mentioned, you know, labor being a factor and the inability to get parts when you need them. Are there any other factors that are contributing to those supply chain issues? Um, I think one of the things that affected us early on was a lot of government programs that honestly were more um, enticing to not work than to work. Um, And so that was a challenge once those expired. I think a lot of other things that went into it was just a lot of people through the pandemic made other choices. I think a lot of people had some time to think about what they did to earn a living and just made um, complete industry shifts or changes. Um, And I know a lot of, you know, people struggled if their kids were still in virtual school, like how do you manage that? Um, So they were forced to make career changes. Um, So that's affected us. Um, and I think just really now it, it's even interesting be a part of, being a part of Briggs and Stratton and, you know, we use our own engines and our equipment, but that still doesn't mean that, that we get engines, right? Like there's an entire industry that uses those engines and um, we have to get in line just like everybody else. So, you know, just trying to look for other, you know, supplier options for a, a lot of components that we use to make sure we're kind of diversifying so that we can stay you know, active in manufacturing. Gotcha. That makes sense. And do you foresee this being a continued trend in the industry, the supply chain issues? Yeah, you know, I guess um, we were hoping that this spring it would have kind of mellowed out and self-corrected itself, um, but we're still continuing to see these issues. Um, So we're definitely seeing um, our seasons and our customer seasons, like purchasing season, if you will, go a little bit longer than we traditionally would. Um, normally, we would see purchases slow down a little bit in the July, August range. Um, but we're starting to see, you know, last year and we forecast this year, it's going to continue well into the fall. Um, and I do think it will um, continue into the spring. I don't think anyone in our industry as a manufacturer is letting their foot off the gas pedal. Um, throughout what we would maybe consider like a slower part of the year for manufacturing. I think everyone just has to keep going and building um, where in the time of the year where normally we would step back a little bit from that. I see. And from the green industry professional perspective, what do you think they can do to get ahead of supply chain issues? You know, you definitely want to stay in touch with your dealers, um, making sure that if there's a certain piece of equipment or fleet of equipment that you're planning on replacing, that you're you're working with them to understand when they might be getting those. And granted, um, bless our dealers, these guys are just stuck in the middle because they want to be able to sell the equipment to just as much as the landscapers want to buy it. But it's hard for us to even tell the the dealers when we'll be able to produce certain items. So working with your dealer, I think is, is super critical to help understand that. Um, But they don't always have a crystal ball because we don't always have that crystal ball. Um, I also see one of the things that I love about this world of social media is a lot of guys helping each other out on different social media sites of, you know, hey, I'm looking for these particular models. Has anyone seen it? And, you know, guys will say, oh, my dealer here has this and my dealer here has that. So, you know, whether you're willing to travel or work with different dealers on, you know, helping you get that equipment, 
And then the last piece um, I would say is a mix of, you know, looking through the secondary market, but also servicing, you know, being really on top of servicing your equipment, making sure you have a lot of your fast moving parts on hand, um, just so that you're not at, at the mercy of a dealer who might not be able to get those pieces that you need to keep your equipment up and running. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as far as making equipment purchasing decisions, what types of things do landscape pros need to have in order in order to make those decisions? Um, you need to definitely understand, um, you know, your your book of jobs, right? So that helps to define what pieces of equipment that you need. Um, so if a lot of your terrain is hilly, you're probably going to want to focus on the stand-ons in your market versus a zero turn, um, which in general, just stand-ons continue to grow in popularity. Um, and then I think you need to understand your crew and what their capabilities are as well to know what types of pieces of equipment that, that you need to have on hand. I see. And you mentioned a little bit earlier that idea of planning ahead. How far would you recommend that Landscape Pros plan ahead as far as purchases go? Um, well, this may sound a little um, ridiculous or crazy, but I would definitely start thinking even right now about what you're going to need for next spring. Um, I've just seen such long lead times out there. If there's a very specific piece of equipment you're looking for, I think that if you're more flexible on what it is you're looking for, whether it's a type of equipment, the deck size, the engine manufacturer that you prefer, um, obviously, you don't need to be planning six months out, but um, it's definitely something to start thinking about. Okay, like going through your inventory, understanding when you normally would have flipped that piece of equipment and start thinking about what you want to replace it with um, and start shopping around and talking to your dealers to understand when they expect those, those pieces to come in. Because um, I think gone are the days of, you know, oh, hey, next month, this piece of equipment needs to be upgraded. And you always knew that your local dealer would have that on hand. Um, I, don't, I just don't think that we're going to be that fortunate this year. Um, and I also think that it's really important to start, you know, even considering traditionally, you know, equipment fleet lifespans was probably in that three-year range, um, depending on how much your crew's mowing in a week. Um, and now we have to start thinking about what do we have to do to get it to last for four or five years, um, again, with that focus on maintenance and keeping equipment um, mowing longer, um, just because, you know, I don't know how long this is, is going to last. I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful. I think we all are very hopeful that by next spring, we'll be back to our regular levels. Um, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for everybody and they'll just laugh at, at this whole podcast and think how silly we were a year ago, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my fingers crossed too. And yeah. there is, um, you know, you, you talked about trying to extend the lifespan of equipment that green industry pros do have, um, you know, what types of maintenance should they be doing to increase that lifespan? Um, I think you want to very consistently be inspecting the entire piece of equipment um, because a small crack somewhere could be a, a devastating break um, very quickly. Um, obviously, you know, you want to stay on top of your blade sharpening or blade replacement maintenance, um, your full engine maintenance, so oil changes, air filters, 
um, spark plugs, things of that nature. Um, always making sure that, you know, areas of the equipment that need grease are getting greased. Um, but definitely just consistent inspections, keep them, keep them clean, you know, that helps with the durability and life cycle as well. Um, so I think just taking all of those pieces that you thought were, you know, regular maintenance and just being very dedicated to certain schedules on your hours that you're cutting. Um, but also thinking about maybe there's some maintenance pieces that you always think, uh, you know, that can go to the wayside for a little bit, um, being a little bit more diligent on those things that maybe weren't as critical before because you knew that, you know, after two or three years of this piece of equipment being in your fleet, you were going to upgrade it. So um, I think just definitely being a lot more diligent about um, the overall health of the equipment is really important. Absolutely. And that's sound advice, even if we weren't, you know, in the middle of a supply chain, supply chain crisis, too. Yeah, you definitely want to get your money's worth, right? These are not cheap pieces of equipment. So making sure you're taking care of that investment and so it can, you know, serve you well is really important. Definitely. And let's see, CJ, looking at the questions I have for you, that is about everything. But is there anything else you wanted to add on the topic? Um, you know, I just want to share that, um, you know, everyone in our industry is manufacturers. Um, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier that we truly wish that we were we were in a space where we could absolutely get everyone, every piece of equipment, every part, every accessory um, that they needed. And, you know, just understanding we have teams of people that are fighting to try to get all those components that we need so we can keep everything up and running and get equipment out. Um, and really just taking it easy on your dealers. I see very consistently um, a lot of internet chatter that um, a lot of the blame comes on the dealer and they're truly doing their best and trying to get everything that, that you guys need. Um, you know, so maybe just giving them a little box of donuts here and there saying thank you because they're kind of stuck in the middle of all this, but I know that they're they're just as frustrated as all of us. So hang in there and hopefully like i said we'll we'll look back at this in a couple months and think it's silly but you know right now it's a real true problem and, and we're all doing you know a ton of work to try to make it better for everybody very well said and thank you again so much cj for joining us today yeah thank you so much thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of green industry pros grassroots podcast I'm your host, Sarah Webb, and I look forward to you joining us next time. Mm-hmm.